You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this sermon by Pastor Terry Riley titled, Show Our Love for God, from the sermon series, Love. For more info, please visit creekside.org. Turn to somebody and say, you look marvelous this morning, even if they don't. Someone's supposed to say it to me. Okay, forget it. Um, If you would take out your notes, we're going to get started. Um, Last week, we talked about how God loves us. We took kind of a different story, and we looked at the, you know, that Nathaniel under a tree, God saw him before anybody else saw him under that tree, really. Because that's how God works, and because of his great love for him, he pursued us. Because there's really three things, there's three areas of love in our lives as Christ followers that we want to make sure we're engaging in, that we understand God loves us. Secondly, then we're called to love God, and because of those two things happening, there should be the outflow of us loving people around us. Today we're going to talk about we love God. How do you know Or how would somebody know that you love them? Spend time with them. Show them with your actions. Yeah, because someone from first service, they said show them. Well, that's kind of a real vague. But there's got to be some action. Yes. Communication. Communication. You talk. You think. You spend time with. Yeah. Tell them. Yeah, speak it. But a lot of people can say, I love you, and then you go, I'm not really so sure about that. Right? Come on, you you know. Right? Anything else? Yeah, you give forgiveness, absolutely. If you really love somebody, you'll ultimately forgive them. Yes? You listen, yeah, yeah. Don't just communicate to, but you listen to and hear from. Trust. Trust. Yeah, yeah. Boy, that's a biggie, isn't it? Especially if you've ever struggled with someone that become untrustworthy. Anything else? You know, you can write down in your notes here a couple of things if you want, but I want you to be thinking about that. We hear a lot, and, and I've preached about how much God loves us because so many people struggle with that. And I think it's so important that you understand that God loves you. But, but I, I was recently uh, looking at a, a, a bookshelf, and I saw this book that I read years ago by Charles Colson called Loving God. And all of a sudden, it hit me. Loving God. Hmm. How, how does God, I, I, know he, I know why he loves me. No, no, I don't know why. <laughs> That's off the table. I know how he loves me. And so my question was, how does God know I love him? You ever thought about that? And we just, because you know what we can do? We can come to worship and, and we can, well, I went to church this Sunday, so God knows I love him. Or, or during a great worship time and we have feelings that rise up and we begin to know, God, oh God, you must love me because of these feelings that I have. Or we're singing a song and that expresses love to God. And those are all 
true. But here's the deal. God gives us ways that he says, this is how I know you love me. But I've never thought about that before. And then all of a sudden, I started thinking about it. I, I used to, I, I've, I've done some work with churches, and one of the gentlemen that I worked with, his name was Dr. Bill Hoyt. And one time we were working with this pastor couple, this man and wife. They were pastors of this church. Church was kind of floundering, struggling. And as we went into the process, we quickly realized that it's because of the pastor and his wife, their struggles. So we're sitting over dinner, and um, I'm kind of watching and listening and learning, and Dr. Hoyt listens to them as they're talking, and, and the guy's talking, and the wife's kind of like, she's not really rolling her eyes, but she, you can tell it's kind of like, you know, wow, wow, wow. And, and he looks at me, he goes, well, tell me how, you, how she knows you love her. And he kind of gives all these vague, well, I show her, I tell her, she should know, all of those things. They don't know, that's, oh, come on, haven't you ever said that to your spouse or a best friend? Oh, you should know. I told you 25 years ago, if it ever changes, I'll let you know. And he said this to them after listening to him. He said, sir, pastor, here's the deal. The lover doesn't determine if the lovee is loved. The lovee determines if they are loved. And I scratched my head thinking about it. And I asked Bill later, I said, Bill, kind of unpack that for me. He says, you know, some, everybody thinks that because they're showing love in certain ways that the other person, the lovee, feels loved. But if they don't feel the love, if they're not sensing it, that's the problem. They're not feeling loved. And I'm sure that some of us have gone through times like that with a spouse or with a best friend. Jesus, the scriptures, the Bible talks about how we are to love him and to show him. Because here's my question to you today. Does God know you really love him? Now, some of you are here. You might be on your spiritual journey. You know, you're not sure where you are. You're not sure where you kind of line up with this God thing, and that's all right. Uh, we welcome you. We're glad you're here and stay on that course. But those of us who have kind of known God for a while, does he really know you love him? And could you explain why he would know that? Because that's where I, I want to talk probably this, definitely this week and probably next week. Because there's, I, I come across, there's about 12, 13, 14 things that I've run across where it says those who love God or those who love him. This is what Psalm 145, 20 says. It says the Lord guards all of those who love him. And as with any relationship, there's reciprocal blessings. When you love somebody and you know they love you, there will be an exchange. And God says, those who love me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to protect them. But there's a sense there that God knows they love him. A really familiar passage that I really never noticed in this context, even though I've preached on it, I've read it, I don't know how many times, I've heard it, I don't know how many times, but it's Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good for those who, say with me, those who love God and those who are called according to his purposes. Now, I've read through that. I've preached on it. But all of a sudden, it hits me. It's, it's, it's about those who love God. God talks about this in a number of places. I mean, just a few kind of flybys. 1 Corinthians 8.3 says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by him. 
James 1.12 says that a man endures, who a man who endures trials is blessed because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Present blessing, eternal, future blessing. 2 Corinthians 2.9, what eye did not see and ear did not hear and what never entered into the human mind, the mind can't even fathom this, what God has prepared for those who love him. What's he saying? He says there's going to come a time. You're going to enter into heaven and you're going to go, wow. Your mind couldn't even understand, assimilate, or fathom what God is preparing for us, for those who love him. And there's a lot more. But what I want you to see is that there's blessings that are associated with loving God, which I think we all understand. But sometimes there are things that the lovey God wants us to do that show our love for him. How is he going to know? Well, some of you theologians will go, well, he's omniscient. He knows it all. Okay. That's probably true. But if you think you're loving God, but you're not doing kind of some of the things that he's challenging you to do, that's a whole other story. I remember when I was 16, and I used to take out Trina's and her mom's groceries. She was a year and a half younger than me. And um, I, I know this is hard to believe, but she kind of gave me eyes. And, um, you know, and, and, and the truth is, so did her mother but for a different reason, and I found out later that there was this kind of scheme. But I, I mean, this is how it operated, because I would, you know, I would, they would, I would bag their groceries, and they'd have chicken. I'd go, wow, I love chicken. <laughs> no, this is a great thing if you ever work in a grocery store and you're younger. Um, and I just said that, and all of a sudden, they're inviting me over for dinner. So I'm, I'm going over there for dinner, and... Um, I go over there for dinner and spending time with them. And all this time, Trina's kind of being really nice to me. And, um, and after a while, I'd been gone for so long, I said, well, listen, here's the deal. Um, I just want to be friends. We kept it totally platonic. And, uh, but we did a lot. I mean, she was really a, my, one of my good friends for a girl. And we'd go out. She'd go to some of my basketball games. And we'd go out for hot dogs and licorice ice cream, believe it or not. And we'd just do all of these things. And all of a sudden, she was starting to do things for me. She'd remember my birthday. She'd remember to get me something at Christmas. She'd get me something for St. Patrick's Day. She'd get something for every Tuesday, um, whatever. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it began to hit me. I think she likes me. <laughs> but I still kept it platonic for a while. And then she kept doing all this stuff. And I go, you know what? I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I thought, I think she loves me. And all of a sudden, her love began to draw me to her. Her family's love began to draw to me. You know why? Because I began to see it, hear it, and it was expressed to me. And here's the question. When we read these verses and look at these things, I begin to realize, you know why I love Jesus? It's because I really understand. It's his love that has drawn me toward him. It's the things that he's done for me that I just go, wow, how could I not love him? But then the question is, is how do I show him love? And I want to look today and probably next week at just some of these qualities that seem to be spruced and sprinkled throughout the Scripture. Because those who love God, those who love the Lord, are going to do some things. The first thing is they're going to meditate on God's goodness. 
They're going to meditate on God's goodness. Listen to Psalm 18. It says, one of the things people do who love God is they're going to meditate on his grace and his goodness. They're going to think about him. Psalm 18 says, I love you, Lord. You're my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my mountain where I seek refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I was saved from mine enemies. See, when you walk with the Lord, loved ones, when you grow in your relationship with him and you begin to think about him and who he is, and what he does as a blessing to you, and what he does to be a guide with you and to you, man, you, 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 you just want to know him, and you want to you be with him, and you want to think about his goodness. Do you, do you remember those days when you first fell in love with somebody? Remember what they were like? It's always good to kind of go back and do that so that you kind of think about what is it about this person that really drew me to them, and don't forget. Maybe you were in college, maybe you were in school, and there was kind of this infatuation that was moving toward love, and you'd go to school, and you'd be sitting in class, and you didn't learn a cotton-picking thing. Because <laughs> you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you're just kind of drooling or something because you're thinking about that person now that you love. Or maybe you... You went to work, and you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you're at the keyboard, and you're typing away, and you start thinking about that person, and there's not a whole lot of work going on. Why? Well, because you're thinking about them. You're wondering, what are they doing? Where are they at? What's taking place in their life? And see, loved ones, when you really begin to love the Lord and you want to show him, you'll think about him. You'll think about his grace. You'll think about his goodness and his care. And like David, the psalmist wrote, you'll just begin to list out these things. And every now and again, all of these things that you're just thankful for. Lord, I just want to thank you for my home. I want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you for your love that brought me out of this situation or that situation. And when you begin to read through Psalm 18, that's what you see. That's all David is doing is he's beginning to write down all of these things that God is to him and God's done for him. Why is it so important? Because every one of this room will fail. Every one of us in this room will fall. Every one of us in this room will sin. And it's so important that we know that we can go to him because he forgives us, because he loves us, because he's the one that's our deliverer. He's the one that picks us up. David understood that. You can't read the Psalms because they bleed through with the heart of David and his love for God because of everything that God did for him and was doing for him, especially when he failed, when he fell. David understood that. I mean, the Bible is filled with stories like that. You've got the prodigal son. You've got Hosea writes a whole book on Israel that's kind of backslidden. They moved away from God, and what does Hosea do? He talks about God's incredible love and calls them back. How does the Lord really know we love him? Because it comes, we understand he's not far from our heart. My thinking the reason I read the word, the reason I pray is because I want to spend time with him. I want to hear from him. 
in the last short season, I've been spending a lot less time with white noise or background noise. I get in the car, my radio is off. You know why? Because I just want to think on the good things that God is doing. I want to hear if there's things that he wants to speak into my life. And I think, you know what? That's, that's causing me to understand my growth and my love for him. And, and another way we show our love for God is people that do that, they trust God's power. Notice what Psalm 31 says. It says, love the Lord, love the Lord, all his faithful ones. The Lord protects the loyal, but he fully repays the arrogant. Be strong and courageous, all you, and put your hope in the Lord. When you really love him, there'll be this real sense of strength and power and courage that will come over your life because you know that you can trust him. And here's how you show your love for him when you do that, because you don't turn to others. You don't turn to other things. You look to the loving, living God to be able to get you through the circumstances that you face, that you know he's going to undergird you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to take care of you. You know that your life is in his hands, and you're going to be working together with him. Why? For the good. Why? Because you love him. Because here's what happens with so many people. If you've been around for a while and you've walked with the Lord for a while, you know what can happen. You've got these things that you're waiting for God to do, and you really believe you're trusting him, but if you're like a lot of us, it doesn't happen very quickly, does it? And so you begin to look around, and you see the circumstances, and you begin to believe, and that the, the circumstances begin to point to, you know what, this isn't going to work out. There's not a chance in the world God's going to come through for you. And you begin to believe that. And God says, you know what, if you really love me, you're going to trust me through the end. Because most of those things that are so important to us that we want to see happen, guess what? They take a lot of time. And we've got to wait for God's timing. We don't like to wait. But a lot of times we've got to wait for God. And when you love the Lord, you're going to put your hope in Him. Here's kind of a prophetic word, I believe, for some people here. Because some of you feel like right now, where's God? He's not in the midst of anything that I'm facing, that I'm dealing with. And here's what I think you need to know. That God, He may not seem like He's there, but what He's doing, He's way ahead of you. He's like this divine scout that's going before you, and he's checking out what's coming. He's checking out what, fa what you're facing. If you don't believe that, read Exodus chapter 13. God's always going before you. Or maybe for some of us, he's behind us, and he's cleaning up the messes that we've made. Or maybe he's covering our flanks. Or maybe he's just protecting us from the enemy. Or maybe he's just protecting us from backbiters. Who knows? But just so you know, God is at work. And that is a word for someone or someone's here today. See, when you love the Lord, you're going to trust in his power, in his strength, and in his might. And when you really trust the Lord, what you're going to do, uh, just kind of a kid illustration, but he says that when you follow him, you're, son, you're a son or you're a daughter. What do your kids do? Think about you're going to step into a forest and it's dark at night. And all of a sudden, they're walking with you, and they're talking, and you get a little bit deeper, and it's a lot darker. And what are you going to do? What's your child going to do? They're going to go, Mommy, Daddy, do you, do you know where you're going? Because I can't see. 
but you've been through it before. You understand basically how that forest is. And so you can see just enough. And what do you do? You grab their hand. And you begin to say probably just a couple of things like this. Mommy, daddy knows where we're going. You just hang on to my hand and I'm going to lead you. What does that child do? They show their love because they say, okay, daddy, okay, mommy, I trust you. They may not say it in those words, but they do. See, that's how we do it, loved ones. And instead of trying to go our own way, figure our own path, we say, okay, okay, Father, here's my hand. I'm going to trust you. See, our Lord knows that we love him when we think of him and we look to him and we put our trust in him. And people that love God, they also, they, they spend time with him and they learn about him. Notice what Psalm 63, 1 through 4 says. God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you. This is a dry land. It's desolate. And I'm without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary, in the church, to see your strength and your glory. My lips, the things that I say will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will praise you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. I love that I'll lift up my hands. It's like a kid. The Lord knows you love him because you want to spend time with him. You want to learn more about him. You want to experience his life. And there's a lot of characteristics that are common to this. We talked about him at the beginning with the question, what does it mean to spend time with somebody? How do you show him your love? When you know and you really love God, loved ones, it's a, it's a love that has feelings. We're emotional soul people, but we're also thinking people. We're also physical people. And the love that he's talking about isn't just about our feelings, but it's ultimately based in the commitment that you have for him and to him. Does God love you? Does God love you? Yeah. We hear that a lot. We know all about that. We understand that because we've seen it. We've heard it. And many of us have experienced it. We know that. But is God always happy with you? No, I don't think so. Because he's real. But here's the deal. Even when he's not necessarily happy with us, because the scripture talks about that we can grieve the, the spirit God, we can make him mad. Guess what, though? He's still committed to us. And that shows his love for you, for him, to you. How do we show our love back? Because we want to spend time with him. We want to show him we're committed for the long haul to living with him. Um, I'm not saying that I'm God in any way. But this commitment thing is pretty important. And, and I suppose I'm going to probably bore you with an illustration from my family life that uh, I, I think kind of speaks to the heart of how God operates. And uh, my oldest son, we have two sons that have been adopted, and my oldest, uh, you'll pick that up probably from the writing, but went through a real season of rebellion when he was a teenager. 
And we finally said, you know, something just to kind of get them away from the environment, not so much our home, but just to give them a different setting. Uh, we talked to his grandparents and we were going to take him up there to spend a few weeks just to kind of get him away from some friends and things going on here. On the plane, I had my briefcase because I had to go to some meetings after dropping him off. And as I'm getting out, I was just, my heart was so broken. It was one of the worst days in my life. And I got out pen and paper and I said, I'm going to write him a letter. And uh, we were flying from Oakland to Seattle. And uh, then he was flying to Portland and I was flying to Eugene. So I had enough time that not only did I write it to him, but I wanted to keep a copy of it for myself, so I rewrote it in my journal uh, after I got his done. This is what I said. This is March 13th, 2000. I'm on the plane. It says, uh, Dear Joel, I'm writing the most difficult letter I've ever written. As we head to Seattle together, you're going to be heading to Portland, and I'm going to Eugene. I'm reminded of our first flight together over 16 years ago. I'll never forget the joy your mother and I felt as we traveled to Rapid City, South Dakota to pick you up and then hold you on, uh, both of us got to hold you all the way back home. I would give more than you'll ever know to be able to do that today, to simply hold you and go back home. This is difficult to write because I still remember the unspeakable joy of September 1983. Yet the pain I feel today is just as great and imprinted upon my heart. It's amazing how life often goes, isn't it? The turns and the surprises along the way, <clears throat> I often wonder where our relationship and communication ended up at this place today. Sorry about my writing, but the plane is a little bit turbulent and it's cramped for space. Maybe that's a good description, a metaphor of how our relationship got to where it is with you, me, and mom. We started to, you started to feel a little bit cramped, a little bit squeezed, and the turbulence that followed made it hard to have a continuing smooth ride together. My prayer, son, is that the turbulence you and I feel at this time will soon turn into a small ride for other future destinations together. I know you felt the cramping on the boundaries mom and I established for you and your life. You were thinking that they were way too much at times. But understand they were always given from two people who love you deeply and care much about your life and your future. Although it's hard to understand now, we wanted to simply be the guardrails that protected you from careening off the road and into a ditch on your life's journey that would affect your future greatly. No matter what you think, no matter what you feel or believe, your mom and I think or feel we love you and still see you as a gift, a treasure from God, which his middle name was Nathan. As we release you to mom and to grandpa and grandma for a couple weeks, I'm reminded of the Bible story in Luke chapter 15 about another father who had two sons, and one son he wanted to leave, one son wanted to leave home. He wanted to have his own way. He wanted to do his own thing, and the father let him go, and the son went away. But after a time and some difficult circumstances and many happenings in his life, he decided to return home. It seems the father was waiting day after day, looking down the road, just simply waiting for his son to return. Joel, we have a, a small porch. But every day that I remember, I'm going to stand on it and I'm going to say a prayer that you will not only watch, that God will not only watch over you, but someday he'll lead you back home. 
We love you, Joel. Hopefully when you have children, you, <clears throat> when you have children, all that we've done will give greater clarity and make better sense, and you will see the deep love that was foundational to all that we did. You've always had a gracious and warm heart. Let God continue to touch and cultivate all that he has started in your life. You have great value before Jesus, mom and dad, Jamie, all of our family, as well as our Creekside Church family. Let nothing or no one derail the treasure of your life. You are our treasure. We all love you deeply. Call anytime, Dad. That was the letter that I gave him as we separated at the airport. Why do I tell you that? It was just a couple of years later that he went into the Navy and he went to boot camp in uh, Chicago and we flew out there to his boot camp to watch him graduate. And uh, we got to have him for a few hours after the graduation. He came back to our hotel and this was one of the best days of my life. He grabbed us, he's 6'4", and put his arms around us. And he just took us aside away from the rest of the family and people that were there. And he just said, Mom and Dad, I just want you to know I love you so much. And I just, I thank you for all that you've given me. And I'm so sorry for all the pain that I caused you. And you don't know what that meant to us. Because I'm, convi- I'm convinced, loved ones, that, that there was a point where we had to make a commitment to stay with it, that we were going to love him. As difficult as it was. He's doing great now. Our relationship is really strong, and he's given us two great grandsons. Just a week ago, he gave us our second one. And what's funny is he's such an incredible dad. And the things that he said, I'm just going to let my kids be a free, you know, whatever, do whatever they want. Ha, ha, ha. He's stricter than I was in some ways. But hear me, loved ones, love isn't based on a feeling. It is based on a commitment. And you understand that in your relationships and never forget that God is so committed to you. And he says, one of the things that I want you to see is that your love will be seen to me by your commitment to me and the way that you live and the way that you do things. I see it today. I think one of the biggest issues in our culture is a lack of commitment. And I don't say this I'm not piling on or making anybody feel bad that's ever had a broken marriage. But I, 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 I just, I, you know, when I, when I get people and I'm going to marry them, when I'm going to do their ceremony, a lot of times they'll say, hey, we just want to, can we do our own vows? And I go, sure. But either before or after, I'm going to do the regular vows. Well, why is that? Well, because, you know, have you ever heard anybody's vows that they write? May the hummingbird of happiness... Lead us down paths of niceness and goodness forevermore or the next season. I mean, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're really flimsy and they're really flowery and they're like, oh, make you want to cry. But they don't have a whole lot of substance to them. And that's why I come back with, do you take this person? But here's what I'm afraid is going to happen sometime. I'm going to be standing up doing a wedding and they're going to go, I'm going to go, do you take this person to be your lawfully wedded husband? And they're going to say, yes. And then I'm going to ask the question, for richer or poorer? And they're going to say, I think so. And then I'm going to go, in sickness and health, maybe if it's not too bad. 
until death do his part. No, I can't make that commitment here. See, that's not love. That's an arrangement. But see, God loves us. He is committed to us. And you'll show your love to him because of your commitment, and then you're committed to him, and you want to spend time with him. And as a son or a daughter, like David, you'll just go, God, here I am. I lift up my hands to you because I want to love you. I want to surrender to you. It's almost as if like a child, and you all know this if you've had children, and if you're, you come home from work, what do you want more than anything? You, want, you don't want that kid to come in and go, hi, Daddy, I love you. Mom told me to come in and see you. <laughs> you want that kid to walk in there, that little, little child, and go, Daddy, Mommy, and just lift their hand, don't you? Yeah. Do you think maybe our Heavenly Father would feel the same way? As David said, you've done this and this and this and this and this. I just want to lift my hands. You know why? Because I just, I just, I want you. Wherever I am, I want you. I want you now. Love always has action points. It's not just words. We do speak it. But there's a lot of people who say a lot of things and a lot of words. And I'm sorry, their life doesn't back it up. That's why there's always action points to our words. I've got to be careful around here. Even sometimes when I'm preaching and kidding about things. Because I might mention a t-shirt. Or I might mention a box of C's candy. Or I might mention a BMW or something like that. <laughs> and I have to be really careful. You know why? There's just a few of you in here that love me just enough. That you know what you're going to do? You're going to go bring me a box of C's candy. Oh, wow. Looks like he's losing weight. Better fatten him up a little bit, you know. <laughs> Or you'll go, oh, yeah, he mentioned that T-shirt. Oh, yeah, or someone, you know, they just went down to the final, the, the regional in San Jose and brought me a T-shirt because they know I love basketball. Now, I'm not asking for anything. Okay, don't hear that. But I've got to be careful. And I'm not saying you've got to give gifts to prove your love. But there's something about an action step. There's something about giving. Wow, they love me. They really care. See, God doesn't love because he simply feels for you and for I. Otherwise, we'd be in trouble. Scripture says it's an action for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 2 Samuel 24, 24. Somebody's going to offer David a burial place for a family member. You know what he says? I'm not going to sacrifice, give anything to God that doesn't cost me. Because he understands love and commitment is seen in its actions. And love gives and serves, lust demands and takes for itself. Love is not about what you can get. Lust is always taking and seeing what it can get. When you spend time with the Lord, do you go and want to just spend time with him because you want to know about him, learn from him, hear from him? Or you just kind of make it a pit stop and say, God, I need this. God, I want this. That's not love. That's an arrangement. 
Jesus said it this way. I, I, I didn't come to be served, but I come to serve. People that love God, people that want to show their love to God, they're, they're aware and they're sensitive to God's feelings. Psalm 69.9 says this, I've become a stranger to my brothers and a foreigner to my mother's son because zeal for your house has consumed me and the insults of those who insult me have fallen on me. Those who have insulted you. You know what he's saying? He says, the things that bother you, God, bother me. The things that come to you that you don't like, I don't like. The things that you face and I and they come to me, I don't like them either. And it's the same thing. You want to know, if, if something bothers somebody that you love, it's probably going to bother you. And that's especially true in our walk with God. When you love God and you know that you want to show him your love, the things that bother him, it's going to bother you. You're going to be troubled by sin in your life. You're going to be troubled by injustice around you. Uh, recently, I don't usually recommend movies, but I'll, I'll recommend this one. Uh, we watched Laurel and Hardy. And uh, it's good. It's, it's a good movie. It starts out a little slow, but uh, by the end, man, there's just an incredible amount of poignancy about love and friendship and relationship. And after watching it, my eyes kind of sweat just a little bit during it. And, and, and I, said, I said to Trina, and, and you have to understand this because she was kind of dumbfounded when I said this. And if you see it, you'll see the wives and you'll kind of go, oh, wow, okay. But um, I, I said to her, I said, honey, when I watched that, I saw those two wives of Laurel and Hardy. I said, they remind me of you. You're kind of a combination of them. She goes, really? <laughs> and I go, no, yeah, I mean, it's not obvious, and if you're not noticing it, but I'm in this kind of tender season right now, and um, I said, you know what they did? Whenever their husbands were struggling, they were like a step ahead of them to help them. Whenever their husband was going through a difficult time, they, they intuitively knew to do something. They stepped up. They stepped in. And they covered them. I said, that's what you do. And we were talking a couple of weeks ago. And we were having this very intimate discussion. And she said these words to me. I said, well, I listen to you because I want to cover you and I want you to know that I'm moved by what moves you. And I go, wow. That is love. And see, that's how I want to be with my Lord. That's how I want to be with Jesus. I want to be moved by what moves him. Hey, let me ask you this. Do, do you hurt the people you love? Is, is that kind of a consistent thing that kind of flows out of your life? It's kind of important because I'm convinced of this, that people who love people less over time and, and people who marry someone and whether it's five months, five years, or ten years, and they begin to love less, it will begin to produce ill health, disease, and ultimately death in the relationship. And systemically, you know where I see it happen most readily and most often? It's because of what people say in the quiet times. It's what people say over here when only one or two people are listening. It's what people think 
when nobody's around. And it begins to feed your thoughts, which will begin to fuel your actions. How do you talk about your best friend? How do you talk about your spouse? How do you talk about people around you to the people around you? When people you say you love and you're not working at being less insensitive, you're going to ultimately have problems in that relationship. That's why it's so important to speak the truth in love, but you always do it in love and with grace. You know why? Because you love them. You are concerned about them. You want to believe the best in them, and ultimately, you want to build them up and not tear them down because you do that enough, and guess what happens? That's the disintegration of a best friends. That's the disintegration of a marriage. And see, God talks, we talked about this a while back, about our words, and he says, I want you to speak like I do. I want you to be sensitive about the things that I'm sensitive about. Are you sensitive about the thing that God's sensitive about? When he speaks to you about something in your life, do you move on it? Do you work to change it and say, Lord, I know that's not really making you real happy, so I'm going to deal with it? Because that shows our love for God. And the last thing that I'll do today is people that love God are going to have greater peace. Psalm 119, 165 says this, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. When you really love the Lord, offense won't come as easily or as often. Now hear me, we're not just talking about getting your feelings hurt here because the word offended in the Hebrew is mikshol and it means to stumble. It's the idea of something happens and it leads you to fall into sin. Maybe someone bites you, so what do you do? You bite them back. Somebody hurts you, so you want to hurt them back. And that only happens really when you're walking in your own way and you're walking in the flesh, not in God's spirit. Because Galatians 5 says that when we walk in the flesh, we're going to bite and devour one another. When we walk in the spirit, we're going to speak words of love and grace and peace and joy to one another. And he says, you know what? If, if, if you're in the word and you're loving God, and if you're loving, loving the word, you're going to be ultimately loving God because it says that Jesus is the expression of the word. Why is this so important? Why will you have peace? Because you know and you love his word and you trust him. And you know this, and we read it earlier, if someone troubles you, guess what? God's going to trouble them. What did Psalm 145 say? For those who love him, he protects. When you love his word, you know. Oh, it might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might be not be next year. But you know God's going to take care of you. When we love and we walk with the Lord, his procedures and his way 
in, in our life. We, we, he, we can trust him. And when we trust him, that shows our love for him. That's why I love the Lord. As the worship team comes, I've seen how he loves me by what he has done for me and what he has said to me through his word. See, it's amazing how many people see the Bible as kind of this this mean-spirited book when the truth is it's simply a love letter from the living God. He knows that we love him by what we say and by what we do, by our words and by our actions. 